Good morning, Shelley. How are you this morning? I'm well, thank you. I'm really going to enjoy this discussion today and I think everyone's going to enjoy this discussion today because it's a bit of a case study. Oh, the crazy little red pony. (laughs) The red pony owned by you called Roger. (laughs) But he's got some classic things and his story um, is a really important one because there's lots of learning from it. Lots of little pieces along the way. All right, so let's tell people about the story of Roger and the cool lessons that he's taught you over the last few years. Absolutely. I, I'm i not sure which bit to start with. I met Roger uh, when he was rising five. Yeah. Um, I was out up helping, staying with uh, the breaker that was breaking him in at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a tricky pony at that stage and wasn't very liked. Um, he's a little sensitive and quite reactive to his environment and he's the kind of horse that you can do everything every day and you start at the start but you keep doing the same stuff again and again because he just doesn't seem to hold it from day to day. Okay, so let's. what would he be labelled with? What would people label him with? Sensitive? Um, hot, um, spooky, yeah, just worried, worried. Yeah. yeah, and a red haired because he's red haired, yeah, yeah. So, what breed is Roger? Tell us uh, about he's him. He's a stock horse cross riding pony, so mm-hmm. he was bred for camp drafting, yeah, um, to be a little pony like a kid's camp drafting pony. Yeah. But he kind of was he, he's quite long and lanky rather than being short and stocky. Yeah, okay. So how tall is he? Uh he's about fourteen one, fourteen two. Yeah, okay. All right. So you met him when he was five. So he's been started a bit late, was he? Yeah. He I think he was started late because people just didn't really have a use for him or know what they were gonna do with him and he was so sensitive he was hard to catch he just yeah quite a handful to have around yeah so describe him as just like an inherent in insecure horse that just felt threatened very easily and was very reactive how well did he learn so when he was being started did he did he pick up things quickly or every day you had to start at the start again in terms of that regard uh Every day you had to start at the start. So he's really smart and he'll pick up things while he's learning, but he gets so worried that he can't cope. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first time that I rode him was in a round yard. Yeah. And the round yard was like 50 metres off the road and I mm-hmm. was just trotting around the round yard on him and he's lovely to ride and he had gorgeous movement and a bird flew down the road. And we saw the bird from maybe 100, 200 metres away. Yeah. And the shadow of the bird on the road caused him to panic Mm. and we were bolting around the arena, uh, around the round yard. Okay. Um, So what kind of things triggered him? Was it visual stuff or noises or everything? Everything. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, get some horses that are funny about visual stuff yeah um there's some horses that get really set off by like wind and noise and and um and that type of thing so just both yeah all of the above 
Okay, then, so even though this horse bolted on you, you decided to take him home? or I you... did. <laughs> I fell in love with him. It was really ridiculous. Did you um, feel like you could help him or fix that, that was within him? I did think that I could, but also I sat on him and it was a horse that I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never sat on a horse of this quality before. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I probably, if it was this quality and nice, I probably couldn't afford it. Okay. If that makes any sense. No, no, fair enough. Okay. So, like, you had this kind of, you felt a little bit of connection with him. Yeah. You saw his quality um, within his paces and how he was to ride, but he just had this kind of nature or character to him. That, but you thought you could maybe help yeah, that at yeah. the time. I was like, oh, with some work. He's only green at the moment with some work yeah. and some miles he'll settle yeah okay so then what happened so you brought him home brought him home and I spent mm, probably six months or so riding him irregularly I was at uni at the time so I lived in at uni during the week and he Mm. was at my parents place so I'd come home on weekends and ride him and yep he was going okay and I'd plot around on him and stuff and I was having lessons and he'd get a bit hot and fiery during lessons and we had the few problems where he'd jack up so you put too much pressure on him and he'd threaten to go up so he'd stop would he slow down yeah and then threaten yeah yeah um and so so not only was he spooky he then he then be also had a th- he also would start to he'd, he'd yes. threaten he threatened to bark or rear what would he do he'd threaten to rear at that stage okay yeah. I I think there was a, a contact thing where he wasn't quite sure how to go forward into the contact yeah okay. and he was getting a bit jammed up and yep. my experience at the time I went well he's not ready for this. And yep. I didn't know how to work around it. So we wanted to put a, a German martingale on him, so like draw reins, mm. so that he couldn't throw his head and throw it into rear yeah. and he yeah. has to submit to going forward to the bridle. Okay. Um, I didn't like that very much and I stepped away from those lessons mm-hmm. um, very soon after that. Yeah. And then at some point in there I... I started having lessons with another instructor and that was going really well, but then he got string halt. Yes. So he got string halt. Uh, I can't remember. It's all – I've had him about seven years now. So it was pretty early on. It was within the first 12, 18 months he got string halt. Yeah. And Australian string halt. So that's slightly different to like normal string halt that the rest of the world might be aware yeah. Can of. Can you tell us the difference? So – Normal string halt is generally a neurological disorder and it's caused by an injury. So if the Mm -hmm. horse like cuts their leg and they injure themselves in a specific way, they get string halt. And string halt is where the back legs kind of snap up underneath the belly and they don't have control of their back legs. Yeah, okay. Australian string halt is thought to be caused by uh, flat weed or... I think dandelion. Okay. And it's a toxin thing that causes a neurological problem. Yeah. 
um, which means that it can be worked through mm. and they come out the other side and they're okay. Yeah, okay. So, right, so he eventually recovered? For Roger, it was nearly like the best thing that could have happened because yeah. he was yarded for probably four or five months. Yeah. Because um, you have to keep them off the grass that so they're not eating more of the plants that are poisonous to them. Yeah. He was getting hay twice a day. He was mucked out. So there was people coming in and out. Mm. Um, a few times he did some silly things like he got his legs stuck in his hay bags and yeah. people had to go in and help him. And he got his back legs once stuck in the belly straps of his rug. Yeah, so people okay. had to also go in and help him at that stage. And I think that was a really good change for his little brain where he's like, I thought I was going to die. Yeah, and but he survived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he just got used to people coming and going and yeah. moving around him and stuff like that. And people so he, riding in the arena next to him and just yeah. everyday life things that I think yeah. he missed out on a little bit. Yeah. So he habituated to that. Did he grow up like in a big paddock or something like that? Yeah. So he grew up in like rural New South Wales out in massive uh, paddocks and when they wanted to catch them, they like run the whole herd in with bikes yeah. or whatever and yeah, okay. yard them and catch them. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. So kind of his early introduction to people was actually being chased into a yard. Yes, which yeah. I think <laughs> probably didn't help his little sensitive soul. Yeah, well, it might have, yeah, because you never know what horses learn from an experience. Yeah. You don't know. And if they attach that or experience that, that's what gets locked in that, you know, humans it's funny not necessarily it's associated a, emotion with it yeah you could have a whole herd of horses and every one of them could feel differently about yeah the situation. and not only that they got different all horses are slightly different they've all yeah. got different ability to process um the information from their senses and then the emotions associated with that that's why they work as a herd the herd does that those things collectively and you yeah. need that their variety of abilities to do that in a herd and that's what actually makes a herd functional because you've got some that are super sensitive they're like the you know like the rogers of the world that yeah, are, yeah. are the trip systems for yeah. if there's anything potential and then you've got the larrys of the world your other horse that was so <laughs> cool and easy going with yeah. life that are very easy to work out and we've got nothing to worry about here yeah. so you've got that blend that they all work together as a network yeah, yeah. so yeah, so a little bit of nature and nurture <laughs> going on there with him. All right, now then you then came to we... one of my clinics. No. Oh, is there more? No, there's, there was more. There's okay. always more. Oh, um, tell me. So, yeah, we kept going and plodding along and we're still doing like a little bit out at riders and going out and competing. Um, so in a competition environment, he'd get worried because it was a new environment and he'd get worried to the point that he was fucking. So under saddle, especially when out and about, right. he would tuck his head to his chest and start really? bronking. Yeah. And was yeah. he spooky too? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So he- spooking, so he did everything. <laughs> spooking. Bronking. Yeah. What, was he still threatening to rear at that stage? No. Or had he got, it was just when that, that first was part just of the contact thing that yeah. he moved through. Um, and yeah. yeah. That doesn't sound fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Then what? So, so then I'm trying to remember whether the teeth came before you or after you. I feel like it might have been after. It was after. Yeah. So I had a ride on Roger one day in my arena at home. I'd been riding him like every day for nearly two weeks or so. Yeah. And I just rode around the top of my arena Mm -hmm. and it would have been 150, 200 metres away. There was a blue barrel, you know, like the blue 120-litre barrels. Yeah, that was in the paddock like 200 metres away. Mm -hmm. And he came around the top of the arena and he saw it and he just like – grew two hands, snorted like a dragon, spun and stuffed off on me um, yeah. and dumped me on my ass really badly. Yeah. Um, and then so I got up and I lunged him and we were doing groundwork and no matter what I did with him, I could not get him to see that blue barrel from that far away and be okay. Yeah, okay. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing with this pony? Horses are meant to be enjoyable. Yeah, and this one's not. (laughs) And this is not enjoyable. And that was when I called Heidi and said, I'm not riding anymore. I'm selling all my horses. I'm done. Oh, really? Knocked you that much? Oh, I was just half pissed off and half like, this isn't for me. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was when she put Larry on a truck and sent him down to me and I started riding Larry and having great fun and going out and competing and I just yeah. decided that I was retiring Roger. I was like, he he's a lovely horse and I love him to bits. I could never sell him because I don't know what someone else would do with him. Yeah. But he can sit in my paddock and I don't need to deal with that anymore. Yeah. Okay. So that was when you came into my life. So I find it really funny looking back because our friend Zoe had been trying to get me to go to a clinic with you for forever. (laughs) And I don't know if you would remember this, but a few times I'd actually like paid to go to clinics with you. Yes. And I never rocked up. I ended up like giving my spots away to other people because I'd have other things come up that Mm. were a higher priority for me, which looking back I find (laughs) ridiculous. (laughs) but yeah so I finally made it to a clinic with you with Roger and that was when I met you down at Treehaven a few years ago yes yeah I remember (laughs) so what were your first impressions of Roger um I just saw I kind of as soon as I saw him and I I had an inkling of course what was going purely just from his confirmation yeah right I knew I, I knew this, this little pony was going to be trouble uh, because of a <laughs> pony that I'd had that was that had the same conformational kind of issues being quite straight through the hindquarters and everything like that. Plus you were trying to do dressage. So therefore right away I knew that this horse was going to experience struggle yeah. with what you were trying that you wanted to do with him. And therefore whenever a horse's conformation is set up to struggle, and there's going to be struggle, there's going to be um, a lot more pressure on the horse. So it all depends how the horse is going to, what they're going to do with that pressure. And there's three main responses that horses can do. Either they suffer anxiety, it presents as anxiety, or it can present as aggression, or the horses can shut down. So, um, and looking at his breeding, because his breeding type, 
the the horse, the two things are in him, riding pony and also stock horse. I knew that was going to that throat more towards. Well, actually, he does both. Yeah. He's kind of primarily anxious, but when he gets pushed, it comes as a secondary. He he flicks into those conflict behaviors of yeah, yeah. bucking and threatening and stuff like that. So I knew right away just by just looking at him, I and what you're wanting to do with him. It's just like this this what you're asking this horse to do is little little hard for him. Yeah, if he's rushed or you don't prepare him right, he's it's going to put too much. It's going to uh, blow his mind. Yeah. And he's then going to have these, that. So that's so as soon as I saw him, I knew that. The next thing um, you, you told me, and it was like all the classic things, <laughs> the classic things, spooky, reactive, bucking. It's just yeah. like, yeah, okay. So, but then the cool thing was is, is that um, I also saw you were very skilled. Like you were a beautiful rider you had skill, like you had good timing and feel and you had like a good repertoire of ability to be able to make decisions with horses and everything. So it was like, okay, so here I have someone that's skilled, that rides really well um, with a horse that's, that's, that's struggling a bit. Then I just got to work through kind of my thing was with you, I've got to show you how to break things down for this horse. Yeah. You got you to reboot him. Because yeah. what, what's happened to him is this horse needs a little bit more time to just to physically be able to cope with what you're wanting him to do. So um, so then I taught you that. But not only that, because he – I also had to work with you a bit because you were so – you felt so insecure with him. Yeah, he um, scared the shit out of me. Yeah, because he you were skilled but he got into your head so you couldn't actually – You'd stop being able to ride somewhere, yeah. that very important thing, and you were just waiting to die or trying to micromanage <laughs> yes. him and, and stuff like that, which, yeah. which unfortunately when Wasn't that happens, happen. no, it was making it worse. So yeah. we've got that really cool bit of footage of him. He wouldn't go down one end of the arena and as soon as I told you just to look up and ride somewhere and that's all you were allowed to do, he just rode down the other end of the arena and around. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of showed this horse had two problems. Um, um, one was, of course, the struggle he was experiencing and all the bad stuff that he'd learnt from the struggle and all yeah. the negative associations and how he just, you know, he did not find being ridden a fun experience at all. Like it put his blood pressure through the roof and that's what made him reactive. Um, he was just confronted all the time physically about what you wanted him to do. And not only that, he had you on board that wasn't giving him something consistent to follow. Yeah. Because you were in this kind of conflict together, you know. Um, uh, yep, go on. I was going to say, yeah, I was just waiting for him to do something and dump me on the ground. Yeah, and that's you can't think like that because it, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. That It is. And then you look <laughs> at the ground and then that's where you end up. That's right, yeah. But you look, you're telling him the world's scary. You, you can't do that. It's kind of the hidden thing when it comes to riding and working horses is the thoughts in your head. Yes. And as I tell people, it's like you got to believe that horses can see what's going on in your head and they're following exactly what you see. You've got to think like that. 
Um, so that's why you've got to keep people say, you know, you've got to keep mindful and in the present moment. You actually do, okay, because that's where you've got to look up and you just got to think about where you're riding and where you want to have that, where you want that horse to go. And you've got to believe that they're your legs. Yeah. You've got to think like that because you've got to give them clear because what happens then when you are clear about where you're riding and that's your intent and that's the only thought in your head, your body is therefore just riding there. Okay, yeah. when you got other stuff in your head, when you, and you're believing you're about to die, and you're tensing and you're spooking at things before the bloody horse does, your body does not give a clear signal to the horse of where you actually want to ride. So they just get lost because they're actually following you. You don't think yeah. that, but they're they people forget. They think horses just feel that pull on their mouth or that kick on their side. They're no, feeling, they feel everything. Don't stop giving them feelings. Yeah. All right. And when your feelings are all like unpredictable and they can't work out what it is and there's no reliability to that baseline feeling of you on their back, they get lost. They can't work it out. And so therefore they're lost. So not only was Roger physically struggling, thought the whole thing was negative, but you weren't giving in clear, you weren't, guiding him anywhere you're making him freaking guess all the time and he was already at wit's end so that's what was happening yeah Yeah. Yeah. so my job was is that I had to teach you to take him back and restart him yeah build him up again let him physically let him like he was so Roger's Roger's Achilles is he's got a limited ability to naturally collect yeah collection for him is hard. Not only that, because of the way that he's built, he doesn't have great shock absorption in his hindquarters. Yeah. So he's prone to getting sore or damage in his hindquarters, in his yeah. hindquarter region. Um, so you have to take a little bit more time with those horses and really prepare them like kind of really physically you got to make sure that all his supporting muscles are all there like the thing is his other problem was is that he was athletic yeah and he was trainable so yeah. you could do get him to do moves so i just say people think oh like shoulder in and travair and all those types of things you know they're actually very easy to train horses to do but you got to train them in a certain order and in a certain way to build up their muscles to actually be protective if you just get young horses to do those movements, which they can more as inverted commas, a trick, yeah, okay, and then and they haven't been developed with the strength to actually do it properly using the correct muscles and they end up just putting pressure just on their skeleton and their ligaments and stuff like that instead of supporting them. Basically, if you don't develop their core and their collection muscles enough, you will end up actually hurting them the movements will actually be destructive instead of constructive if that makes sense so I had to teach I had to encourage you and my thing is try to influence you to take him right back restart just make it bloody easy for him take the whole collection take the whole contact thing also it all been messed up in his face of what he thought about contact yeah and we'd thought about the bit so just stripping him back and rebuilding him so we could actually um have an easier time, learn simple things really well before you add it on just to build some confidence in that, yeah, and then change your mindset. Yeah, that was my job. How did I go? 
<laughs> you went pretty well. You, you, we got here, so you encouraged me enough that I started organising clinics for you. Yeah, <laughs> we became friends. We did, <laughs> and look where that's made. Yeah, ended up. <laughs> oh gosh! You would have thought. Imagine if someone said back then, "You two are going to be really good friends and do podcasts and stuff together." We and would I would like, be like, "Oh my off. gosh, Shelly is famous. <laughs> she would never be friends with me." Oh, oh, that's so hilarious. Anyway, but this is the next cool part of the story. So, so um, then we, I kept him in pretty good work, um, and then I went down the path of. He had some teeth issues that I'd noticed early on. So Roger was missing an incisor, so one of his front teeth, Mm -hmm. um, which is strange. We're not quite sure where it is because it's one of his adult ones missing and there was never an injury or anything. So Mm. we keep talking about maybe x-raying and seeing if we can find it in his jaw somewhere or if it's actually just not there. Yeah. Um, But it caused all his teeth to be on a slant so if you opened his lips Mm. um you could see his teeth and I put up a couple of years ago the photos before and after of what his teeth were like yeah um yeah that was really interesting really interesting because when your teeth are out of balance the whole rest of your body your tmj joint and then the muscles through the rest of your body are out of balance and as a farrier I see it quite often in feet so if your teeth are out of balance, then you'll often have like a upright foot and a low foot um, in your feet as well. So everything is just not in balance when teeth aren't in balance. So we got that fixed up and we went down the path of working with a vet dentist and we were seeing her every six to 12 weeks for a while for her to make slow corrections to those. Yeah, cool. And then he was just so much happier to travel forward and into the contact and Mm. he was in regular work and he wasn't spooking the same and that was really a first step was getting that under control and we did I think probably 12 months or so after that of work and he was Mm -hmm. gone really really well Um, and then he just got lame and got lamer yeah. and lamer to the point that I had him yarded and I didn't want him out in the paddock. He, we thought initially he'd torn a muscle in his chest, but mm-hmm. we think that that might have been sore behind and so he's done something stupid and hurt his chest rather than the chest coming first. And yeah. as Shelley expected, um, we did some x-rays and those kinds of things and we had arthritis in his hocks. Yeah. Yeah. Now. You've forgotten a very important part of this story. Oh. Okay. Because during that 12 months when he was going well, yeah. right, you would complain oh, yeah. <laughs> that every now and then he'd still be spooky. You just have, you just have you, shitty you'd rides. You'd get on and it. have a ride. Okay. And he wouldn't be able, like, he wouldn't go near the fence of the yeah. arena. So he'd I'm have in a the... 60 by 20 arena. Mm-hmm. And I'd be 20 metres off each end of the arena and, like, five metres off each, like, side of the yeah. arena. So I've got this little, like, 10-metre circle in the middle of the arena that I can do. Yeah. So let's just get – so it was just, like – so even though he was going well, you just had these days, <laughs> these rides that would just – he'd just be spooky again. Yeah. Right? All right. 
And it was typically when he might have had a couple of days off, you weren't yeah. able to ride yeah, him yeah. really regularly. It was when you were bringing him back. And it, and it still frustrated you that he was just still had this inconsistent that he didn't that he would just be like that. Now, what did I, just, I say to you? You said there must be something wrong. He must be sore somewhere because something is a bigger motivation to him than what you're doing. Yeah, and it's something that's made better when he when he gets moving and back into work. Yeah. And it's something that causes more discomfort after he's had a number of days off. Yeah. Yes, didn't I yes, say that? You did, yes. <laughs> there were because... so many conversations about and I was just like, but he's not lame. Yeah, I know. And then so when you found out that he was, what did you send me? What was the message you sent me? Um I can't remember. Yeah, you did. You said, okay, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, yeah, cat, I'm always right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I say a horse has got an unsoundness, because they tell me that inconsistency, that inconsistency, especially in making more reactive, means that you got something clogging up your worry cup. Yeah. There's a clog there. And the clog is normally something physical. And just because a horse is unsound doesn't mean that it's lame. And you know, like, yeah, because it's yeah. Right. Anyway, okay, I, go on. I, so that's just my. I told you so. No, <laughs> this is that's my you had to have bit that. of the Rogers story. <laughs> it's like I told you so, my friend. Uh, so we had had X-rays and had a specialist lameness vet look at him, and so then he went on to medication to try and treat that. Yeah, and we've had probably 12, 18 months of a pony that tries his absolute heart out. Yeah. I'm also very lucky that while we've had COVID on, I've found an amazing instructor that keeps me motivated and all the rest of it. But he has been going from strength to strength. He's gone really well. We touch wood are going okay, but we're going to – we think now that the work's increased, we've got some soreness issues popping up again, so we're yeah. going to deal with those. Yeah, because that's his struggle. It's just like just take it a little slower, yeah. let him build it up. It's, yeah. It's that. Plus also you got to look at the um, – he's, he's – just what actually was he diagnosed with? He's Arthritis in his hocks. Yeah, so his hocks. So you might have to revisit – whether you got them injected, yes. Uh, so they're getting injected. Yes. They're getting injected, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the more collected work, as you'd expect, when we're asking yeah. for walk to canter transitions and asking yeah. him to sit a little bit more. Yeah. He doesn't do anything wrong. He just gets highly anxious about it. Yeah, because it's hard and it's it, it and is it's hard. And he starts falling out through his left shoulder. And yeah. when he starts falling out through his left shoulder, that tells me he doesn't want to sit on his right hind leg. That's correct. Yeah. So he's trying to adjust his body. And because you're, when you ride, you kind of make them be straighter. You're making him wait that, that he's naturally trying to avoid. avoid. Yeah. yeah. So that's what that all means. Yeah. But, yeah, the transformation in him. And I hope, like, you've got to put, you got to do a blog on him, I think, and put all this together, like put all his teeth issues and his kind of his physical issues and just see people should really see the the difference in his way of going, like the photographs of him earlier on and just how his body's changed and how he's able to work now through yeah, that yeah. process. 
Well, but even yeah. just looking at the photos of him originally compared to how muscled up he is now, yeah. Yeah. it's it's crazy. Yeah. But again, you've just you've hit a point now where you've hit his Achilles, his yeah. weaknesses. So then it's just like working out then because you've worked it all out. Like you've gone every like this build, you know, two steps forward, one step back type yeah. of thing. Yeah, and yeah. just come to the more collected type work, which is his not his strong point. So it's now just working that bit out. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's pretty I'm, impressive. I'm interested to see how it will end up, but it's so hard when you're in the moment because I have this ethical problem where I'm like, do I keep working him? And expecting more of him or do I go, oh, that's probably as far as he can go. Yeah, and that's a really good conversation to have. Like, you know, you've got, as I said, just with his, he's not, his confirmation, his, his confirmation sets it up to struggle, but also he also is compromised by having uh, degeneration in his joints. Yeah. Um, in his hock, in his hock joints. So, yeah, that's that whole thing of like what's fair to him. Yeah. Um, have you hit his... Um, his particular window of his how, how the, the level that he can go where it's fair, um, yeah, and that's going to have to be a decision for you. But I wouldn't just give up just yet, you know. No, like, no, I'm going to keep is, going. This is the really crummy thing about when you, and and this is a really good example of when you're, you know, you really love dressage and you want to you want to learn all the you got to want to go up the grades, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're trying to learn how to teach a horse those and prepare a horse gymnastically for those yeah. more higher end movements, right? Actually teaching the horse to do them about what you want their body to move and do, that's not the hard bit. No, it's keeping them comfortable and it's sound. It's keeping them and sound, strength, yeah, and getting and... them to do it properly yeah. because you go, you know, you can just go sit down at a, it doesn't matter. You can go to the bloody national dressage competitions and, and you'll see horses competing there and they're doing the movement but they're not actually doing the movement well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they haven't been built properly. Like one of the best movements to have a look at, uh, just say on the higher levels, is the counter pirouette. Yeah. Because if they get grounded or they can't do it, that's their collection's not good enough. You know, they haven't trained that. So, But learning how to train that highest, that's, that's, that's an art form. Not just science, it's science and the art. And every horse, you got to, like, every horse is going to have its strengths and its weaknesses that you have to be able to adapt to. But you can't do this until you learn how to do it. Yeah, and you're going to stuff it up along the way. You start, every horse that you come across or that you train, you're going you're gonna to learn something. And part of that learning is going to be making a mistake, you know. Um so it's learning how to uh, adapt your training or what you've got to do to help that particular horse, you know, to get a horse, I'm telling you now, to get a horse all the way up to Grand Prix, right, sound is an absolute goddamn achievement of skill yeah. and mastery of the highest level, you know, because it's hard. It's, and when you start trying to do it and to do it properly and to do it well, well, first of all, along the way, you learn that there's a proper way to do it and not proper yeah. way to do it. And it's a lot harder than you realize. It's adjusting yourself. So, my personal opinion to you is don't give up just yet. You know, well, if I've you... got a baby on the way. So, I kind yeah. of going to keep riding Roger and keeping my riding fitness up until I've got another probably four years until I start the baby. 
Yeah, just remember baby as in a horse baby. Let's just oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you got a horse baby on the way. So that's, you know, see another four years. So I would say, you know, just you know, like you know how Roger tells you that he's uncomfortable yeah. and you know how to listen to that, you know, you know how to listen to that and what that means and what he's telling you. And if you can't make him comfortable with how you're um, – helping him physically like what you're doing with him and you know what support kind of joint protective things that you can do to help him out um yeah you listen to that and that'll allow you to to judge but if you get to a point and he'll tell you if he's just not if he's struggling with work so he's becoming reactive during work or he's struggling to actually do his falling out through that shoulder and and what you're doing and you you know you're making all these changes and kind of experiments and you keep hitting that then he's telling you he's reached yeah. his limit you yeah. know so you you'll know but he's you know he's and then you can just become a master at that particular level yeah you know then then he can teach someone else yeah exactly you can go to that level but also you know there's lots of other things you can do at that level of what he's been able to do now that are pretty impressive yeah, so it looked like you can swap to show horse. Oh, you know? yeah, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there's lots oh. of lots of cool things that there's lots of options out there or just yeah, being able to like teach someone else up to that particular level. Yeah. Fun and games. Yes. So Roger is an absolute great case study to talk about because he threw you some curveballs and gave you some really important learning absolutely from if him. i had him earlier on in my writing career i don't know what i would have done i wouldn't have had the tools in order to no. understand what was going on no and i think and it's the problem when also people get a horse like this so let's look at roger what roger taught you roger is himself as he's kind of his natural kind of which I call his herd dynamics, like his natural thing is being a little, he's, he's more easily triggered by his environment. He doesn't, yeah. he didn't have a natural ability to process changes in his environment. Nope. And uh, be able to regulate his emotions. He used others for that. Okay. Yeah. So that made him tricky off the gate, off the front, right from the start, a little bit more. You needed a high level skill to be able to like know what you had to do to, to help the horse develop those skills because he needed training in that department. He needed education and, and ability to learn how to process things by exposure to a lot of different stuff and a lot of and riding patience. and a lot of, yeah, and a lot of habituation. <laughs> Taught me and a lot of so stuff. much patience. That's correct. Then he threw you the other curveball of like what you wanted to do. He was built and decided to be, he was going to be a camp draft horse. Yeah. Okay, but you took him and you wanted him to be a dressage horse. But his confirmation, yeah. although he looked pretty and he moved well and he was athletic, he and it's a common thing, his hind end confirmation had meant that he had limited ability to naturally or easily collect. Yeah. Any horse can learn it, okay, but some are far easier than others. And he was in the like, this is a bit more tricky um, yeah. bracket. Then you had the teeth thing. Yeah that meant that that was going to put even more kind of physical stress on his body um, of how it was put together. Then you had to deal with what had happened when you have a horse that's kind of struggling with all that on top of then trying to learn and then and then what that then did to you. 
yeah. of riding horse that threw you all those curveballs and really well, just Well, I put myself in the anxious rider category for a lot of years. Yeah. And it's probably not overly true. No, it, no, you had – no, well, okay, but your brain, Roger gave your brain a good lesson in, in horses uh, – Horses are dangerous. You couldn't yeah. help that because he showed you all the he, – he frightened you. Like he gave you frights all the time, but yeah, even if he yeah. didn't fall off, just having a horse drop and spin or spook or bolt on you and do things really quickly, yeah. that kind of made your mind, like your brain, adapt that you were doing something that wasn't safe. Yeah. So it then – it then programmed in that when you saw Roger, it put a prediction of potential danger in front of your mind. You couldn't stop that. No. That's that's a natural thing to to happen. You can't control that. So you had to deal with that. So that throwing that and then the fact that all that kind of led to um, the ramifications on his hock, whether that was like kind of it could have been there even from I the start wonder, you don't know yeah because he was so worried right from really young I'm yeah. like was yeah. it there or did yep, something absolutely. happen early on who knows exactly you don't know because you don't know but all those things and then having those particular breakthroughs learning how to training learning how this horse had to be worked so you discovered that keeping Roger in work was positive for him absolutely even He's if not i a only horse, get yeah. 10 minutes a day it's Riding. every single day yeah you got to do something with him yeah so you learn like and yeah he's really taking you on a journey but you know he's what i call how i rate horses in terms of like um, martial arts belts <laughs> there's <laughs> white belt horses and they're easy peasy you know they're yeah. <laughs> they're not they don't struggle much and then you know orange belts and yellow belts and then you get up to blue belts and brown belts and then black belt horses so um the higher up what i mean by that is the the difficulty the level of experience and skill and willingness to adapt yeah uh to the horse from what you learn to respond to it um roger's definitely what i'd label as a um i probably put him as a brown belt horse the only reason yeah. why i'm not going to put him as a black belt is because the black belt horses are normally none of they they like Roger, but they've learnt to do something heinously damaged, yes. damaged like he's year not, or something like he's that. He's not dirty, dirty. No, so that's that was our last podcast. <laughs> he hadn't learned anything <laughs> dirty, but he had. He was tricky. You needed. Uh, you've needed to draw on the skills you already had, plus yep. more, plus more, plus more, and he's still making you step up. The level of to actually learn how to work with him. So he's a fabulous case. But most people just get the first little bit and like, holy crap, no, we're good. Yeah. And it just, and then, you know, imagine if it wasn't you. These, like the Roger horses of the world, can keep people paralyzed for years. Yeah. Absolute years going nowhere, kind of being hopeful and plucking, changing bits and changing instruction, getting another saddle and feeding this herb and that herb and this supplement and that supplement and and that type of thing to try and um and try and fix and when he needed two two approaches he needed a training approach yes and a health management approach and quite complex but very specific health management too because like feeding him herbs which i did try believe me i've been there (laughs) and it didn't do anything yeah, no, it was a, the herbs are not going to take the 
pain um, away. The pain away. And it's also not going to take the negative association away. Yeah. You know, herbs are, you know, they're not going to be specific enough for that, you know, in any way. They're just Band-Aid stuff anyway. They didn't take away the the, the actual problems. The yeah, why yeah. was still there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So a really interesting case and it's, I think it's really cool that we've, we've spoken about it. might give people some ideas to maybe look at, you know, look at them, look at their horse if they're having troubles. Do yeah. they need a different training approach? And a specific one for that particular horse. Do are there like um, something physical going on that's not evident? People can see hopping lame horses, but they can't see horses that are struggling with crookedness, you know, or a TM a TMJ joint that's not functioning properly, yeah. or you know, hind end lameness is a, a bit tricky to um, to identify. Uh, especially pelvic changes or hocks or whatever because the horse will mainly change their gait and way of moving than necessarily be hopping lame. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So and really I think that it's, that's where like specific people who are one-on-one working yeah. with you on you and your horse on a regular basis are so important Yeah. to yeah. have their professional opinions because if you see a horse once off, you're not going to tell them that, you think the horses aren't sound generally? No, you need you, you need, need that relationship, relationship. and you yeah. need a relationship where you feel you can have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, so but the overall overarching thing of this is Roger was right. <laughs> Roger's always right. Roger's right. Roger was absolutely right, and um, and you've really learnt to listen to him. And because you understand what's going on and what, what he's saying when he does that, like even that thing that you picked up, you know, as soon as he starts falling out that right shoulder, yeah, you know, that left hind, he's trying to avoid waiting and that's significant. Yeah. That's a red flag for you that he needs that, you know, yeah. re-examined and, and his treatment re, re-looked at. Yeah. So very cool. So I hope we've given some people some really good food for thought on the story of um, beautiful Roger. It's made me think about it, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> cool. Oh, thank you, oh, Shelley. No, well, no worries. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to Candor Therapy. If you enjoyed the episode, please make sure you leave a rating and a review where you're listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, we're at Candor Therapy Podcast. You can find Shelley on Facebook at Dr. Shelley Appleton, Horse Training Coach, or she has a fantastic group called Calm, Willing, Confident Horses, where she's been doing weekly lives. If you'd like to find me on Facebook or Instagram, I'm at Forenza Park. Have an amazing week, guys, and make sure you hug your ponies. <laughs>